All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it is episode number 462. And uh, we're recording live on Tuesday, April the 28th. More than, what, I don't know, a month and a half, two months almost, it feels like, of COVID isolation time. Uh, Brianna, how are you? I'm hanging in there, man. You know, every day is... Every day is a new adventure, so trying to stay positive. Some days are more frustrating than others, but I'm good. You know, I'm healthy. My family's healthy, and so thankful for that. How about you? How are you doing? Yeah, same. We're, you know, I think everybody's healthy and well, so I can't complain about anything uh, on that front, but it's, it's getting a little sort of, it feels like it's dragging on now. Um, I mean, there's definitely a routine, you know, the kids are, they just announced the schools are officially closed until at least like the whole month of May for sure. So whether or not we get a couple weeks in June or not, who knows, um, of school, I I don't know, know. but we'll see, we'll see. It's, it's gonna, it's been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. They've, um, you know, they made announcements that Georgia was opening back up. However, you know, the mayor of Atlanta has a very different perspective than I think our state governor. So I don't know that anybody's really going anywhere too much, uh, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not ready to start, you know, running around exactly and going back to normal. Yeah. I don't think anybody is. And I think even when they do open everything up, like, I think there's going to be a lot of businesses, a lot of people who are just like, Hey man, this, this work from home thing, it's been okay. You know, we can do a lot yeah. more from here. We don't need to be in the office. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I keep thinking about like how the restaurant industry I think is going to change so much. Like, you know, I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of shared restaurant space where, you know, different chefs come in and prepare different meals, different days, or, you know, it's mostly prepared just for takeout or, you know, Mm-hmm. Things are definitely going to change because, um, you know, the overhead that it takes to keep a restaurant up and running and the amount of work and staff and everything, I think, is going to be a challenge during times like this. So I don't know. It'll be interesting just to see how all of these different industries transition and change, um, you know, yeah. for the better and some just based on behavior. Yeah. I also wonder, like, what's the longer term impact on travel like you know the airlines and whatnot because i don't like i mean even once it comes back like i can't see that they're going to have the same volumes that they had before yeah i mean it makes you kind of i don't know for me it makes me kind of sad and thinking about like what are my kids going to get to experience and explore and how is that going to be different maybe from the freedom and ease of you know travel that we had before all of this started so i don't know i mean it's so hard. I don't think anybody really knows what to expect exactly yet, but everybody's just thinking of what the possibilities could be. And, you know, sometimes that's, um, gets your creative mind going and other times it just makes you feel a little depressed. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll, We'll highlight some of the good stuff today instead. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, um, Let's let's get on to our show for this week. So we've got two industry news stories to cover uh, this week. Uh, we'll each do one of those, as well as two guest interviews for our ongoing Members at Home series, and um, some some good stuff in there as well. So I'll let Aubriana kick it off as per usual. 
Yeah. So this is an interesting partnership and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I was excited to hear about the Nextdoor app uh, in the news uh, once again, because it's been a long time since we've talked about them. And they have partnered up with Walmart to, well, they're, what they're calling it is Neighbors Helping Neighbors. So um, they've, they've teamed up for the, you know, during this COVID crisis, obviously, and this is something that's available nationwide, but neighbors could basically go through the Nextdoor app and ask for help finding an item or picking something up for, you know, neighbors that are going to the store. They can also offer help. Um, and so this is helping Walmart keep less people in the store. So the goal, the goal is, you know, you think about it like, hey, you know, I'm going out to Walmart and I'm making a run. You know, I'm not, I don't have, um, you know, elderly or, or more, um, I guess, more susceptible people living in my home so I can go out and do that. And, you know, I'm going to ask the neighbors if there's anything I can pick up in the meantime. So I'm going out for my whole community versus just, you know, a bunch of us all going out on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, this is helping people be able to uh, more effectively social distance, which is really good, too. You know, the few times that I have been out to the store during all of this time, it's been really interesting to see how, like, one store does things really well and other stores, like, the whole socially distancing thing is like not even an issue and um and maybe it's also the clientele but like just the approach is very different and so I think that you know being able to do whatever you can to keep less people in the store I've seen some that limit how many people can be in the store sometimes and other people there's just like everybody's everywhere there's no you know um extra care that's going on necessarily. But the Nextdoor CEO did say that, um, you know, there has been a 260% increase in members offering to help their neighbors over recent weeks, which is awesome, right? Like that's yep. amazing just to hear about people coming together and, and helping one another. But um, I love that the Nextdoor app is bringing these people together as well. So um, right now it's different than like Walmart's delivery and pickup and curbside service. It's not related with any of that at all. And purchases and neighbor uh, is is in uh, is in between neighbors on the Nextdoor app. So everything is kind of um, going through the Nextdoor app versus going through like the Walmart traditional you know uh, purchase channels. Um, and you know back on, in the middle of April, Walmart started reserving morning times. Um, I think it's like an hour every morning for pickup orders as well as like first responders. And then shoppers who are um, at, you know, at higher risk. So I think a lot of uh, people have kind of reserved the early morning times for the elderly to go shopping. At least that's what I've heard. Um, so, you know, they're starting with Walmart within this program for next door. And, you know, they might expand this to other retailers as well. But I like this, you know, I, I love the idea of um, helping people stay safe and socially distanced as well as just helping out your community. And, you know, I think, I don't know, something that I've struggled with, you know, as a mom who's working with, you know, kids in the house is like, well, how can I help during this time? And how can I be, you know, a good, uh, just, you know, person and human being in my community. And I think this is something that's really easy for somebody like me to do is just say, hey, I'm making a run. Does anybody need anything yeah. um, within, you know, just the, the few streets that are nearby? So I really like this and um, it really is like location uh, services at, at its heart, right? It's like hyper local and it just goes to show that, you know, the location aspect can be really valuable and, and um, 
and bring people together. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think uh, I don't have much to add. I mean, I think you said it all. I think it's a great partnership. It makes a ton of sense. I'm so impressed and happy that, uh, you know, that so many people are, you know, taking time to help their, their fellow neighbor, you know, 260% increase, uh, is, is unbelievable. Um, you know, the two, two sort of anecdotal comments around this. So, so one is, um, you know, same here in Canada, you know, we've got a lot of retailers that have kind of opened up that first hour and dedicated that to the elderly population, uh, which is, is great that they're doing that. Although I've, I have had several friends of mine of parents, uh, you know, friends and so on who are like, wait a second, like, why did, why do us old people have to get up early, <laughs> you know, to go to the store? Why can't, why can't the young people get up early and have, you know, that, and like, you know, we go later in the day. Um, well, I don't think it's necessarily about the time frame as much as it is, is if you think about the store is getting disinfected yeah. and cleaned overnight. No, so it completely uh, presents the best time <laughs> for them. But at first I thought of that too, like, well, why would it be earlier? That seems yeah. like they're getting yeah. like, the short end of the stick, but then I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, and then the second thing that came to mind, um, you know, I love what's going on here with Walmart and, and Nextdoor, but you might remember, I think it was last year at our Seattle conference, which would have been happening, you know, uh, a year ago from, from last week. Uh, one of the speakers that we had was uh, the CEO or founder of uh, a company called Renera. Uh, which was came out of the Target Accelerator and basically was kind of the same sort of thing. So it was an app that uh, you could say, hey, you know, I'm going to Target or I'm going whatever. Who else around me, you know, wants us to pick up something? And that's ex exclusively what it was built to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going on a run to this store or that store or whatever. Um, and uh, and tar the cool thing about that at the time was Target would basically pay the fee, the delivery fee, you know, because they're getting the business. Um, so, you know, um, similar type of thing in terms of what they're trying to do with Nextdoor now. Uh, but regardless of who's doing it or, um, you know, what retailers are involved, the premise of, you know, I'm going somewhere, I can pick some stuff up for my neighbors is just, is brilliant. I love it. Um, we need more of this. So there you go. All right. So that's our, our first story for this week. We had uh, we have two guests uh, this week um, for our uh, members at home series that we've been doing, where we do a number of interviews of different folks, uh, you know, from their isolation uh, environments talking. Um, so the first interview is I had a chat with Kami Zimmer, who's the chief business officer from Glimpse, a great LBMA member company. Uh, Kami's also on our advisory board for the LBMA and uh, got to talk about kind of what they're doing and you know, so much of what they do uh, as a company from a technology perspective is providing uh, services for uh, last mile delivery capabilities, which are obviously a big thing right now in, in, the, in the restaurant and food industry, uh, especially with all of us being at home. Uh, so got to hear a little bit about you know, what life's like for her and Glimpse as a company. Um, so that was the first interview. And then the second interview, uh, Ron Carricker, who's uh, the founder of Seventh Media and also heads up the LBMA uh, Dallas chapter, uh, sat down with uh, one of uh, his uh, clients and members, uh, a guy named Shannon Wilkerson, who's the marketing director at Cajun Harley Davidson. Um, so uh, some very interesting things that they're doing as well, and you know, really, you know, just hearing from a brand like that you know, how they've had to change their marketing spend 
you know, during this time, uh, obviously not getting traffic uh, into the dealerships and, and things like that. Uh, how you keep the brand relevant uh, in COVID times, I think is quite interesting as well. So, uh, so that's the two interviews. Uh, so I'll let you uh, listen and watch those and then uh, we'll come back uh, with our final story. Alrighty, I'm excited because we have another great guest on our show this week uh, for our members at home series. It's uh, Kami Zimmer, and she is the Chief Business Officer for Glimpse, uh, one of our great member companies. She's also an advisory board member to the LVMA. Uh, how are you? How's, how's it working from home? Welcome. Nice. Very much. Thank you. Thank you. So great to be here. And uh, how is it going working from home? It goes a lot better when the weather's nice. That's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, no, things are going well. I've been uh, myself been working from home for the last 14 years. So it wasn't too much of a struggle or an adjustment for me uh, myself. Yeah, but but like like myself, you're on the road a lot normally traveling conferences you know, speaking all of that. So that's an adjustment for sure. Yeah, that for sure is an adjustment. I, I believe that I'm used to being probably the last eight years being on um, traveling um, on an airplane, probably three weeks of the four on the, each month. And so I think that's been the biggest adjustment is trying to figure out how to do business, whether it's going, you know, not going to events or meetings or, you know, back to the office because I work remote myself how to adjust to and with that um, when it comes to uh, business, right? And so that's been the hardest thing is um, trying to figure out how to utilize the Zoom meetings, which we already did, but for um, to push business through during this uh, COVID-19 epidemic. So that's probably the biggest, hardest adjustment. Yeah, one, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we're all trying to figure that out. Um, but one of the things I've been, as I've been doing these interviews and talking to, to other members and stuff, you know, I've been asking, are there kind of tools technology-wise that you're using, you know, to communicate or do business that you weren't using before? Like, I know a lot of people, you know, are using Zoom. Lots of our members are using things like Slack and, and tools like that. But mm -hmm. is there anything new that you've been able to kind of leverage in the last little while? Yeah, our CTO, and I'll have to, I, have, I don't know the exact name of it, but our CTO had introduced something to us here at the executive level that was able to take um, almost like a whiteboard, because the hardest part when you're trying to do business planning, uh, when you're normally in a, in a room with whiteboards all over, mm -hmm. the hardest part is to try to... Um, recreate that on zoom when everybody obviously is, is is sitting separately but he found a um some type of a software tool that actually you can able to do that with your computer and you can move things around and you can add things and it's it's like a big gigantic whiteboard for people when they're remote and i'll, I'll have to um, follow up with the listeners on what exactly that is but i did find that to be probably the most useful tool that we had when it came, comes to strategizing which okay. i'm finding more and more companies are doing um, to try to figure out what life will look like you know, two months down the road or a month down the road. And so I'll get back to you on that tool because it was fantastic. Yeah, it sounds, sounds great. Um, so as, as kind of, you know, things come back and the economy starts to open up a little bit and businesses mm -hmm. start to open up, do you think that sort of in the short to sort of medium term, you know, for, from a glimpse perspective that um, 
things will change in terms of how you were doing business before? Like, will a lot of what we're doing now sort of persist and remain? Like, um, do you think more people will just stay working from home because they found it, you know, they can do it, um, you know, or, you know, a lot of people maybe who weren't sort of ordering groceries online, you know, before or things like that, you know, uh, will continue doing those things because they're, they're recognizing the convenience of it. What do you think that impact looks like? Yeah, so two questions that you asked. The first one is uh, in, uh, from our employees at Glimpse. We're headquartered in Seattle. Probably maybe you know a third of us are remote. I truly believe that moving forward, the two thirds that are back in the office, I think things will be entirely different. And yes, I do believe we're even talking about having maybe Thursdays be where everyone works remote, no matter what. I believe that some of our employees will choose to stay home and, um, and work. They They've obviously had to you know, make some type of an office setting within their home and um, due to traffic issues and or the time that's saved. So we'll probably move forward with uh, one day a week where you know people should work from home. And it also makes it easy for us to on the Zoom calls where maybe before all of this, maybe in February, those of us that were remote were struggling to here in various meetings and all that kind of stuff. It's really brought to light the importance of everyone, um, even when they are in an office, to remember that there are people that are remote. And so we're gonna probably see a, a ton of changes here at Glimpse, just in general, uh, moving forward. And then here uh, with our business, uh, what, what's been interesting for us being in that last mile delivery curbside pickup, what I thought here from a business aspect um, in the retail um, sector, retail meaning grocery, retail and restaurants, was that it would probably take people globally in general, maybe two or three years to adjust to and really adapt to curbside pickup. Um, and within the month of March, we've had to adjust like that. So something where I thought would take two to three years is now taking a month. And mm. what I see is so many companies, I mean, quite honestly, the last, especially the last month when I think we realized we're in this a little bit longer than we thought, we have had so many big brands all the way down to the very small brands uh, contact us and say, wow, we weren't prepared for this. This was something we had on our roadmap for 2022. We need to figure it out in the next month. What tools do you have for us? And um, so, yeah, something that we were planning on doing <laughs> two to three years are now today. Yeah, and I think certainly businesses like like yours that are sort of you know in that sector and in that sort of component of the industry. I mean, it's it's uh, you know it, it's in a lot of ways it's a positive. It's accelerated, but I guess that also means you know uh, you're hiring. You know, you have to staff up. You know, in order to to kind of fill the demand that's there, mm -hmm. um, which you know is is not the easiest thing to do. You know, quickly. And yet at the same time, I think there's a lot of people out of work. So there's a lot of talent uh, available too. Is, are you, have you been able to kind of see any of that yet or you're not quite there? Not quite yet. So most of our uh, retail customers are in the grocery 
restaurant and retail business, they're just trying to survive right now. They are furloughing com uh, employees, obviously. The, the furloughs are happening left and right. Um, but I believe that when they're furloughed, they're just kind of on hold for a little bit and they will hopefully get their jobs back, right? And so these industries that we serve are um, the ones that are perhaps the most challenged right now with trying to figure out how to keep things going because the demand is there. Now we do have other service companies that we work with um, where you know their businesses may be a little bit slower for right now. And um, you know, if they've done any layoffs, um, uh, you know, it might be more so on the service side of things. Very good. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of time for reflection, right? There's a lot of time to try and figure out, uh, you know, what's next. And, and you know, I, I can say from, from our side, you know, even, even with my, my startup outside of the LBMA, like, you know, it was kind of like going around, around trying, to get, trying to get a bunch of things done. And now, interestingly enough, you know, people like, like we were raising capital and I find a lot of uh, potential investors are now all of a sudden available, like, you know, cause they're at home and they have time and, you know, they're not stuck in, you know, in meetings all day necessarily. So, um, so, so the, you know, there are definitely positives and there's challenges at the same time and, uh, you know, trying to figure that all out is, is interesting. So lastly, like you're, um, you know, you don't actually live in Seattle, right? You're, um, you know, in, in, in the great state of, uh, of Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. And I'll say it with a Minnesota accent. <laughs> yeah. So what's, what's it been like there locally in terms of just government response and the, you know, sort of move to reopen and things like that? Yeah, that is such a great question because it's been so interesting having um, being a global company ourselves and, and having uh, an employee uh, team member of mine, even in the London area and listening to all of what's happening in London versus Seattle versus New York versus Minneapolis. Uh, here in Minneapolis, it, we have controlled things very nicely and I wouldn't, it's nothing compared to New York. And uh, in Seattle though, if you'll remember, that is perhaps where it hit one of um, the most hardest right away. It was right. the very end of February. Um, unfortunately, I was there the, the next week after that hit. Um, and, and I think that I've been so impressed by the way some states have really kind of gotten things under control. And, uh, you know, on the Seattle front, they're following know all the rules that they're following and they're um and they've they've been able to control it here in minneapolis and minnesota area the midwest um we've been done a pretty good job as well we'll have to see what that means moving forward right i think that's probably the most uh, likely question is what does that mean as we watch our um you know political advisors or political people that we've put in office to see what what they suggest and what they recommend and i think that they're all over the board sometimes with what to do um, but what's been interesting is to look at it from a regional standpoint or a you know um you know north america or a canada or a us and really look at it and say you know what is the best bet moving forward in the various phases and i hope that people are able to take that and look at it individually cuz definitely seattle is different than New York. 100%. So last question for you, um, either from a glimpse perspective or even just personally where you are in Minneapolis, you know, have, has, has there been any opportunity to kind of take technology um, and kind of use it for sort of, you know, a, a good, you know, or social cause right now in, in what all that's what's going on? 
Oh, that's great. We here at Glimpse, uh, we have a free consumer app that we've put, um, I guess we put tools together for companies, especially the small to medium sized business companies. It breaks my heart to see like 47% of, you know, employees are, they come from small to medium sized businesses, right? And so we put together some tools that are, they're free. You can use them today. Is it the best enterprise solution? Probably not, but it will help some of these small to medium sized businesses. It's on our website. We've even taken, um, being a marketing person myself, I, we've taken and had, our, had um, our marketing team put together little graphics that people can say. So we offer curbside, you know, we offer delivery and utilizing the, the free consumer app um, that we have in Glimpse that you can just download on your, uh, on your phones. Um, you can actually go ahead and put together, you know, some various different solutions that really will help your businesses. Um, and they're there for you. So again, they're free. And we're, I think we're all just trying to come together to come up with solutions to help people. And that's what's been fascinating to watch is globally, people coming together, hey, use this, use that, you know, we'll give you this to use for free, please just try to make it work, right. And that's been um, very heart heart filled to watch um, from from that aspect. So that's kind of where we're at as well, too. What can we do to help during this time? Um, even if it means, you know, looking at it from we normally don't do this, but we'll give it to you free for for right now. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's fantastic. And I think, you know, if you're a small business, you know, small retailer, you know, uh, restaurant, you know, whatever, you know, tools like that, uh, that, you know, hey, we're still here, we're still operating right now, we can deliver, you know, and being able to have access to to an app like that, I think is is fantastic. So glad to hear you guys are doing that. That's fantastic. Um, and um, yeah, just um, stay safe and stay healthy and well uh, to you and all all of your Glimpse colleagues. And again, for our audience, we've been chatting with Kami Zimmer, and she's the Chief Business Officer for Glimpse. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. Uh, so, this is Ron Carricker. Uh, I'm the uh, chapter president of the LBMA in Dallas, out of Dallas. And today uh, we have with us Shannon Wilkerson. Shannon is with um, Cajun Harley Davidson and Warhawk Harley Davidson in Louisiana. Um, he's a marketing director. Shannon, how long have you uh, been in the marketing Harley business? Oh, well, I've been with Cajun Harley Davidson for about 30 years now and wow. Warhawk uh, for. Uh, only about six or eight months. Cool. Very good. Well, sister dealership uh, has common ownership. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, obviously the conversation that everyone's talking about and, and especially in our world of marketing and advertising and trying to, to get customers uh, out and about to, to purchase is very challenging right now. Um, and in particular in your industry, in the Harley industry, obviously motorcycles are an experience. People need to ride them. People need to come in, feel them and touch them. Um, talk a little bit about what, uh, what you're experiencing in terms of services you provide, what you're able to do for customers, what you're not able to do for customers. Talk a little bit about that if you could. Well, as of today, we are able to provide all of our services. We, we have brought back our entire staff today. Uh, when the original uh, stay-at-home order here in Louisiana was implemented, uh, unfortunately, we had to uh, scale down our operations significantly and we were running the dealership um, with only about 10 people. Our service department was still operational, but we went down from five techs just to two. Um, and a lot of people were multitasking. 
Fantastic. I, I know it varies around the country, obviously, with different dealerships and different different uh, you know mandates that they have to have certain requirements. But that's great. That's fantastic to hear that, that you guys are. And the, same, the same thing took place at, at Warhawk. Okay. Uh, at Warhawk in, in uh, Monroe. Right. And so now we're fully functional there. Now both dealerships have have made adjustments to our hours of operation. Sure. Uh, so we 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 cut down on the hours of operation. And at Warhawk in Monroe, we actually cut down on the days as well. Okay. Uh, so uh, we were open over there Tuesday through Saturday. Now it's just Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, and we've cut back, uh, you know, we open a little bit later here, just an hour later than normal. Uh, but um, hopefully that won't last much longer and we'll be able to go back to our, uh, our regular hours of operation. So, so that brings in my next question is, how have you communicated those things to customers? How have you been able to let them know we're limited or we're back to normal in certain aspects or our hours have changed? And what are you using in terms of, um, you know, any digital uh, communication tools right now? texting standpoint obviously I'm a little biased too but how, are you getting do you get responses I mean when you send out a message obviously that there's a timing issue that you you're getting it out in real time you're directly communicating specific things are you getting customers immediately responding or calling in or or you know do they give you feedback that they appreciate that communication well, well something most of the most of the standard uh, information 
information that I send out, I don't get a lot of feedback, but I do see that, that they are opening it. Okay, because, you know, you can look at what you send and see how many people, especially when you do like, as you know, I like to do a lot of mobile websites. Sure. And so uh, you, you can see how people are responding to that. They're looking and, and shopping so, and viewing. Yeah. 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 That's right. Through the views and the dashboard, yeah. you know, the functions that are available on, on the seven media dashboard. And uh, so I, I, that has been very effective for me. You know, email, email also has got some very good tracking. Our email program has got some very good tracking uh, functions, uh, but it, you know, as you know, I like to use that text message. Yeah. It, it's the most effective thing that I can that I do. That's good. And, and so, yes, to answer your question, we do get some good feedback. But what I get the most feedback on are other types of campaigns. You know, where I'm reaching out to people and and actually doing some campaigns. But the informative ones, I can see that they're that they're opening and viewing. Yeah, and that's something you know. Probably up until this pandemic happened, so much of your communication, regardless of the platform, whether it's social media or email or texting, is about events. It is about a lot of things you have going on at the dealership. Obviously, you're not, you don't have events now, so really you're communicating right. instructional, informational, and I, I, is customers appreciate that, right? I mean, they want to know if you're open, and they don't want to show up and you not be there. So, really, communicating right. that has to be pretty critical. It's very critical, and, and you're right. Right now, we have no, uh, no event. Uh, you know, I normally have events every weekend at, at both dealerships, so we have no events on our calendar right now, and we also have no spotlight. And, and that is not that normally uh, is a significant part of what I am uh, sharing with our customers. So uh, we we have less to work with. We have less platforms, and we have less to work with. But that has actually worked to our advantage in other ways because. Uh, all of my directions, with the exception of just keeping people informed, uh, a lot of our uh, campaigns that we are running right now are just focused on lead generation. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, and that's the most important thing. Everything comes down to lead generation. Every campaign, everything that, that we do is all about uh, generating leads. Sure. Even if it, it, and most of the time it's in a very indirect way, but that's what we want. Yeah. And so uh, our our leads are up almost 20%. Wow. Simply because it, it, it's practically the only thing that I can do right now. Yeah. So yeah. I'm doing it in a lot of different ways. You know, I'm running campaigns that, that, that I, I would normally do, uh, maybe bi-monthly, I'm doing weekly right now. Okay. okay. And so, for example, right now I've got campaigns running for both dealerships through 7 Media where uh, I will build a mobile website and, uh, and it has featured bikes. Sure. Uh, you know, sure. In the, and each one of those bikes you can click on that brings them to our website, and so that's how I can track what's coming in uh, through through our website right. uh, dashboard. I can see those leads that are coming in through Seven Media, and, and so I can see which bikes are, are being viewed the most, and then we can uh, we can then uh, track those customers back through our through our website, and if they're in our database, and then reach out to them with another text message that says, hey, Ron, I see that you looked at this 2020 Street Black Special. Would you like to come in and, and take a ride at it, take a ride on it, or things like that? Also, on those text, text blast campaigns, uh, I include uh, functions where people can, uh, like, for example, there's a function after all those bikes that says click here, and there's a, there's a graphic there. And it says, click here to schedule a test ride on any of these bikes. Right. It brings them straight to our schedule a test ride page on our 
ability to value their trade in. Okay. And that also brings them straight to uh, straight to that page on our website. So uh, being restricted in some ways has uh, really broadened our exposure in other ways. Right. That, that, that's my, my next question was that ultimately the, the digital assets and digital channels you had set up before all of this are really being leveraged now. I mean, you're really getting the most out of them because that's the only way a lot of customers are really getting involved or engaged with the dealership. So it sounds like, you know, because you had experience and knew how to implement some of this previously, you're able to really maximize it now. Yeah, very much so. Uh, having having uh, done these type of campaigns on a regular basis gave me the ability to really jump right in you know, aggressively when all this uh, all this began, and, and so being familiar with building those websites, uh, with those mobile websites, and sending out other kind of campaigns, I, I sent out I, I did campaigns for both dealerships also that were strictly value your trade in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so uh, I send out this text blast, uh, this this mobile website where if they click on it, then um, they they respond with a certain uh, keyword. Right. Right. Okay, so, uh, you know, text trade to this number to value your trade. Gotcha. And so then we've got those numbers. And so those are addition. Those are just phone number leads, but still hot leads. Because yeah. these are people that have responded to a call to action. Yeah. And, and it actually takes them. They're not just looking at something. They've got to perform a function. They've got to enter in a word. Right. right. And, and so we know that their interest level is higher simply because they're doing more than just clicking and viewing something. They're actually, uh, they're actually performing uh, a task. Yeah. And, and so those, those have worked out very well. And we, we've generated probably an additional uh, 35, 40 leads this month. Wow. Strictly with that value you're trading. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. The uh, one of the things yeah. too, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up a little bit is that being that it's a location based marketing uh, discussion, um, you know, and some of the things I've been part of the organization now for a number of years. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of location marketing services, there's billboards, there's, you know, digital, obviously, there's a lot of different things that tie into that. I know one of the things that you wanted to talk to me about later today, is the ability to do more targeted messaging. And one of those things is, we could do targeting or you can do targeting based on the data you have and one of those being zip codes so you could target locations of your customers where you might say i want these customers that are within this zip code radius of the dealership in addition to the ability that you have now too that you have two different dealership locations so you have two different databases to manage that you know two different uh, uh physical locations that you can target customers based on their proximity to those dealerships so talk okay. about what value you see in there being that you can target based on location. What, what does that mean to you going forward? Well, it, it parallels perfectly with other digital platforms, okay? Because when you do, uh, when, when we run digital advertising, uh, we actually, we, we have lots of functions like what you just described. You can target zip codes. Right. You, you know, you can do, uh, we, we do a lot of geofencing. We do keyword, uh, keyword advertising uh, on a digital platform. And when you are uh, targeting your, your customer base with those digital platforms, those, those digital campaigns, rather, yeah. you can become very specific. Well, you can do that same thing through text message targets. And, and, and so, and it's considerably more affordable. And, and yeah. that obviously yeah. plays a, a very significant role right now moving forward because you know, now that we are, are getting closer to 
what we hope to be a fully functional economy uh, and uh, a fully functional social atmosphere, uh, it's not just it's not just reopening. Now we've got to be very very uh, knowledgeable about our spending. Yeah. Because just yeah. because everybody's back at work, or not, you know, some people won't be back at work. Yeah. Just because people are, are now back out on the street doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be back at the spending level that they were before any of this happened. That could take very that could take a really long time to reach that to reach that level. And so um, choosing campaigns very specifically and and sticking to a very stringent budget is going to play a very key role. The reason I'm saying that is because. Uh, targeting through text messaging uh, can be just as, if not more, effective as the digital platform. Sure. Uh, but it's much more affordable. The only restriction yeah. is yeah. how big your database is. Right. Right. And, and so, yeah. And so, just to make a quick comment on that. Um, I, I run a campaign every month to build our 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 database. Yeah. And so you probably have seen some of the giveaways that we do. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I'll, I'll I'll create like a leather jacket giveaway, and uh, you know, you text leather to this to this to this number to uh, to register to win that leather jacket. Well, then I use that that ad campaign in other platforms like social media, email, right, right. for advertising right. in some ways. And so we've got new people uh, opting in. Yeah. Uh, okay. New people opting in, and so. Uh, you know, you're constantly, uh, you know, you've got some people that are just going to opt out because they don't want to get the text message anymore. And, and so keeping uh, keeping aware, staying aware of where your contact list, list is also plays a key role because constantly building that database gives you the strength to get a better result from the campaign. Yeah, it's not a one and done. You're always working and, and, and going towards oh. building and growing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, listen, I really appreciate the time. I know um, our, our location-based marketing uh, audience will, really appreciates it when they hear about Harley-Davidson. Um, you know, they want to know what you guys are doing. And it sounds like, you know, you're, you're doing as, as good as anybody is at this, you know, this time and stage of the world right now. So, um, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to reach out uh, through the LBMA. If you have questions of Shannon, uh, let us know. We'll pass those along. Um, and again, thanks, Shannon, for your time today. And we really appreciate it. Look forward to talking to, to you some more You're in the very future. Welcome. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. And... All right. Thanks to, uh, to Ron and Shannon, as well as Kami, for participating in our series this week. We really appreciate that. Uh, and of course, we'll have more interviews next week um, as we continue on um, in our members at home. All right, final story for this week uh, is from our good friends and members at 7-Eleven. And so uh, this is a really, really great uh, good news story as well, uh, as um, they have opened up a pop-up store uh, at Children's Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. And what's really cool about it is, you know, you and I, Aubrey, have talked on the show, you know, a lot over, you know, at least the early part of this year about contactless payment and cashierless stores and Amazon Go-like environments. And we even covered 7-Eleven, you know, sort of testing those types of, uh, of stores in New York and other markets, um, San Diego, I believe. So what they decided to do is just in this COVID times with all these essential workers having to be at the hospitals and whatnot, is to create a pop-up store. Uh, it sells a lot of the same things that you would expect at a 7-Eleven, snacks and drinks and household items. Uh, but the cool thing is, is that these workers can actually pay 
simply by using their hospital ID badges, their employee badges. Um, and so making it really simple for this, the stores open to patients and their families as well. Um, in those cases, you can use credit and debit uh, payments uh, there as well. There's no cash. Uh, but uh, for the for the essential workers that are working, the, the doctors and nurses and, and all the caregivers and so on, uh, they can simply use their their badges uh, in a sort of tap contact contactless environment. Um, so that's that's super cool uh, and interesting. And they built this whole thing. They kind of got the store up and running on two weeks notice. Um, you know, so uh, that is 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 really impressive that they can kind of pull pull that all together and make it happen in, in the hospital and um, providing, you know, sort of items that everybody needs. And, you know, especially, you know, you've been working long hours, maybe you need that energy drink. I don't know what you need, but you need something to keep going, or maybe it's a chocolate bar, or, you know, or whatever it is, but, uh, you know, or your hit of caffeine, but um, yeah, uh, really, really cool. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's really great as well. You know, I, I also, the only thing that I would add, honestly, is that, I mean, I, we've seen 7-Eleven do tons of different, you know, things that they're always testing out and trying, and some of them are out there, and some of them are, like, really applicable, and I think this is one of those that is just great, and um, it's very timely, and the fact that they were able to roll this out so fast is awesome. The other thing is that, you know, where we were thinking that contactless payments or facial recognition for payment might be, um, you know, six months ago and where we're probably thinking about it today is like really different, right? We're thinking about how even just getting out a credit card and having to swipe it in a machine that other people have touched is like, you know, maybe it's something we should be avoiding. So mm -hmm. I think that more and more of these things are going to, um, you know, these opportunities are going to present themselves in these times where people are going to be more comfortable with some of the advancements that we're making from a technology perspective and, um, and, you know, being able to leverage like your face for payment options, um, you know, just to eliminate touching and spreading of germs. But um, I do really like that 7-Eleven is testing this out with uh, hospital workers right now. And I'm actually anxious to kind of see where it goes from here. Yeah, they did say that, um, you know, there are two things. Like one is, is they're going to integrate the, the payments with their, um, seven rewards loyalty program and second like they they do plan on adding the um the ability to use the 7-eleven app on your phone to pay as well so you don't have to have you know the card or even the badge you can just use your phone um so they're adding you know multiple layers of, of convenience there if you will so pardon the pun it's a convenience store <laughs> um there you go um so yeah, so that's it. That's our uh, our show for this week. Uh, a couple of industry news or member stories there, uh, and two uh, great interviews with our members at home uh, series. So you've been listening to episode number four hundred and sixty-two of Location Weekly. Of course, we'll be back next week with yet another show. And if you have story ideas, if you've got uh, a great uh, way that you've been working from home, or new tools you're using, or a uh, great way that your company's technology has been leveraged, um, you know, out to, to support COVID. We'd, we'd love to hear any of those things and be able to talk about them. So reach out to us on the various social media channels or send us an email. And uh, we just thank you for listening and watching. Have a great week, everybody. Stay, stay, stay safe and well. And, and, sane. <laughs> and sane. And all those things. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.